0: A marriage is, even in the scripture, in Ephesians 5, it says that a marriage is like, why are you looking at me like that? I'm listening. Maybe I can learn something. A marriage is something where um, it's a microcosm of what God wants his church to be. And you're going to get a lot out of this, whether you're single or not, uh, or married or divorced or whatever. But, you know, quite frankly, our marriage is not perfect. We fight. I mean, we're going to tell you straight out, that we are we argue and uh about the stupidest have you ever noticed that you argue about the stupidest stuff? I mean, you can start off I had one couple they arguing. they were coming to church, and uh they were actually arguing about how to get to church <laughs> you, you know how Satan just does and they actually this is no i'm not even joking they got into an argument and uh we don 't get in those crazy arguments. they got into an argument and 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 and, and they were. They got it got so bad that they turned around and never got to church. And they called me later on and told me we were arguing about how to get to church. And I wanted to go this way, and she wanted to go that way. And um, we're just emphasizing that we argue about so many crazy things, and we've had ups and downs in our marriage. And um, honey, when did you realize that I um, I'm not going to really meet all your needs and so forth? Well, we got we got married in July, 14th of '84. So it was probably like. July fifteenth. You know, I think marriage comes with. Um, maybe you're expecting too much. What do you want from me? Everything. I mean, I don't know what it is, but I think marriage. One of the reasons people fight in marriage and argue is that they come with these unrealistic expectations. A lot of women, they have this thing that you're my knight in shining armor. Oh, you're you to fill all my needs. I never. Saw Not. That. You know, it's not going to happen. No guy can do that. It's just unfair. And no girl can do that. Well, and guys, they think I have this one guy who says, man, I can't wait to wait. You know, he, they were staying pure. And they say, it's a honeymoon. We're going to have marital relations about 15 times a week. <laughs> you know, and, um, and uh, the reality of the matter is, I remember this one uh, counseling session, not myself. This was told to me by someone else. And the one guy said, well, maybe like 14 times a week. And the, the wife uh, uh, separately said, well, maybe like once a month, you know. <laughs> you can imagine the tension in that relationship of unmet needs. And pr- we people argue sometimes, and we've been through really rough, rough times. There was even a time, uh, six years into our marriage, we thought about separation. And uh, we're going to just put it right out there. We want to be totally vulnerable with you. And we go home and we argue. Friday night, you were really ticking me off. How many of you can think about... <laughs> How many of you can think about five things about your, even if you're not, maybe you're dating or someone in some relationship or if you're married, that just really bother you about the other person? I mean, does anybody, am I alone in this? Come on now, let's be a little honest here. How many of y'all actually had an argument in the last week with with your loved one? Huh? Okay, that, you're honest. The rest of you are lying to me. Uh, She's, I mean, the littlest things, like, your chewing bothers me, you know? You've told me. Yeah, she's at the table and she chews. And it's like a constant grate. I don't know why. It bothers me. It just bothers me. Friday night, we were at the, uh, sitting down and we were having dinner together. I had pizza. I love garlic. Who else loves garlic in this place? All oh, right. We love some garlic lovers. And, and she goes, do you have to put all that garlic on the pizza? He's like, embellishing. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. And of course, you know what my reaction is. Well, where is that garlic? And I just put some more garlic on that pizza. You know, here, take that. Bah! <laughs> you know? I mean, the craziest things that people argue over. And we have to ask ourselves the question is, um, and now we're talking about marriage, and you can apply this to all of your relationships, uh, in any relationship. Are you arguing, are you fighting in the marriage, or are you fighting for the marriage? And that's really our first thought. That's a good question to ask. It's like, are you trying to, like, win the argument? in a relationship? Or are you trying to make that thing work? And I've seen so many people, I've, I've interviewed thousands of people, and I say, that I'm, exa- I'm not embellishing. I hate when she says that, that I embellish. <laughs> I'm embellishing. We did. We had over 600 people come out Sunday. Oh, well, that wasn't embellishing. Okay. Just the garlic story. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, we've interviewed thousands of people. And we always ask them, What's up? Why are you breaking up? Why is this going on? Well, she's not meeting my needs, or um, you know, or he, you know, he says that, and um, or it's like, well, they're ninety-five percent of the problem, and 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 instead, of, and then my question to them is, well, how about that five percent? You know, like you're ninety, you know, I mean, not you, but I mean, like, <laughs> in a marriage, sometimes, I'll be honest, most of the time, she's like a steady. I mean, she's amazing. By the way, if you're wondering, like, how a crazy guy like me we, we could do church and be a pastor, it's because of her. Amen. I'm not even kidding. I'm not even kidding. I'm not manipulating because of later on either. Like, you know, <laughs> it's not going on. I'm not doing that. I really mean that. And I really do believe it's true behind every man that ever does anything even half right because guys are just so crazy. There's there's a woman of support behind her behind her, not her him, <laughs> hopefully not her him, him, and I just you know the days the things that you have to put up with as a pastor's wife is just totally insane. There's so many things. I mean the heartache the uh, like I'm looking around you know it's after day after the week after Easter and I'm gonna probably gonna come home and, and wonder like gee where is everybody today? We had such amazing crowds out there and we have a pretty good crowd here today but I mean, you always you know. You're always questioning, and dudes are like their egos are so messed up. I mean, dudes, we need we need so much attention in this place. Just, ah, yes, over to the left one. But I mean, we do. We need that. We really need that in our in our lives. And and um. So the bottom line, Rick Warren said this, and you can pray for Rick Warren because his son just committed suicide. I just my heart goes out to the, my heart goes out to him. But he said to. One one advice and it's so true and I, I used to tell the couples that one two words of advice. Grow up, you know, grow up. You know, get to the meat of the issue. Don't you get sidetracked by all these crazy things and, and the real issue is this. A lot of us come in our relationships and we had it out six I- years in and you know I felt like she wasn't supplying my needs, you know what I mean? In all many different ways. And and you came to me and you said, well, you know what, you're not really doing much for me either. <laughs> Yeah, and so we were six years into our uh, our ma- that's gonna fall. Off. We were six years into our our marriage, and it got to the point. It got to the point where, uh, you know, we were thinking, about well, maybe this is it. You yeah. know, but we had to ask ourselves that question, and then we realized we went through a few marriage seminars and so forth and soul searching. We realized it's a, the reason why most relationships break up. The reason for that is that people are more concerned with their uh, respond, their, their, their rights, that they perceived rights, rather than the responsibilities that they have uh, before God. And there's something right there. Can we? Uh, you need to say this too. You know? How about this? Like my marriage, or future marriage, or just put in your relationship. Hey, you have to help me out with this. Let's do this together. Will go beyond my imagination when I focus on my responsibilities. We're going to get into that, rather than my rights. Does that make sense? Responsibilities rather than rights. Let me clue you in on something. God didn't put you in. relationships. God created relationships. You want to have a seat? Yes. Yeah. Okay. You want to get here? She didn't. Really, she. She's so amazing. It's like she's behind the scenes person. Like, but she really does most everything at Oasis. I'm not even kidding you. Like the things that you think, oh, Pastor Dave, you're so. Well, she does it. All right. I'm just being totally honest. All right. Do I get brownie points for that later? Okay. Okay. All right. Get <laughs> a seat. But uh, <laughs> we're going to have, uh, in, it's a six-week series. I, just, I was just saying, you know, if you feel like, hey, I'm not enjoying this, I'm not getting anything out of it, hang on. Come through the six weeks. Your issue will be dealt with. Um, so just hang in there. But this is so true, and we're going to get into that. But the idea is, is that um, I want to clue you in on something. A relationship, God is a creator of relationships. He's all about relationships. That's why he sent Jesus his son. And your marriage, your relationship should be glorifying to God. The purpose of a relationship is not to bring you more um, marital relations, all right? The primary purpose is not to bring you happiness. That's a side product. That should happen. Your purpose in a relationship is to bring that other person closer to Jesus, to bring yourself closer to him, to be closer to him, because, because the closer you get to Christ, the closer you get picture a triangle, the closer you get to that top pinnacle of the triangle, the closer you're going to get to your mate, the closer you're going to get to your relationship person that you're in your relationship with, the closer you will get uh, experience all you're looking for. And isn't that a crazy thing? Isn't God crazy that way, in a great way, in a wonderful, amazing way, is that the very thing you're looking for, if you do it your way, the selfish way, my rights way, you're not giving to me, you're not putting out for me, you're not doing for me, the crazy thing is that God actually provides that if you follow his way and totally follow the, the three things we want to talk about uh, in Philippians chapter two. When you surrender, when you actually seek to be God-glorifying, when you seek Jesus, he returns to you a hundredfold more than you could have ever gotten by taking, taking, taking for yourself. Let's, uh, let's open in prayer real fast. Father God, I just thank you so much for this Amazing day. I thank you, Father, for who you are, for what you've done in our lives. And I thank you that you're in the business of taking messed up lives, like, like me and other folks here, that, and turning them into something wonderful. We don't have to put on a show. We don't have to fake it that you love us as we are where we are. You want to bless our relationships. And you want us to, to thrive in our relationships. And we just thank you so much for this. We pray for that broken heart today. In this room, we pray for healing. We pray for by the end of this uh, series that there will be real uh, transformation in relationships in Jesus' name, amen. And if you all have a Bible, and I hope you do, and if you don't, this is your Bible, so take it home and start reading it because we believe this is God's Word and it's an amazing book. But we're going to be in Philippians chapter 2. We're going go to learn just three things. This is just the guide, this is just the foundation of, of this uh, series here. And um, I love the scripture. It says here in Philippians uh, chapter 2, Paul, now he's in prison. Paul is in prison to get the context. He's in prison. This guy is about to get beheaded, all right? I mean, he, talk about like a depressing place, but he's filled with God's love. I want to tell you, no matter what your circumstance, and you might be in a cruddy relationship, when you're in Christ, when you're in him and you, you experience him, everything else fades away, that God, God will give you that centered place that you need in your life. He'll give you that meaning and hope. And Paul's saying, hey, therefore, if there's any, any encouragement, that's like consolation. If there's any encouragement that you have from being united with Christ, that means, you, you know, he's talking to the church now, but we're, we're going to apply every principle that we're applying today. Although he's talking about the church relationships, you can apply to your relationship as a husband and wife. You can apply to it in any relationship that you have. He's saying if there's any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion. And Paul just lists off these four things that um, it's so amazing. And, you know, you might be going through a hard time, but I, go to, I love going to this chapter in myself when I'm feeling down, when I'm feeling like things aren't going quite right. And I said, Jesus, I need a little love. I need a little compassion in my life, and you just sang a song, Everybody Needs Compassion, right? That's in the song, and, 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 you know, and he gives it to us, but you know how he operates? You know how God operates? Yes, through his spirit, but God, we are his hands and feet, the church, and not only that, if you're in a marriage relationship, if you're, in, you are the hands and feet of Jesus. You are the person that needs to bring the encouragement sometimes to your partner, to that relationship person, that uh, you need to bring the comfort. And I was saying earlier, you know, men, and me especially, uh, we need encouragement, you know, because of our egos are so like, you know, kind of like flawed a little bit and so forth. And my wife, she calls this the, uh, you know, whatever I need to feel like I, I, you know, I'll be honest, you know, I'll stand. How many of you guys stand in front of a mirror and admire yourself? Okay, women, okay. Well, you know, you do that because you're really wondering, am I really worth that much? Do I really mean that? You know, does my wife think I'm sexy and so forth? I don't care what you people think, all right? If my wife thinks I'm sexy, that's all that matters to me, all right? That's all that should matter to you, all right, in a relationship. But, you know, so anyway, I'll be like, it'll be the summer and I'll be walking around, you know, trying to get her attention, you know, she's behind, she's doing her hair in the mirror, you know, (laughs) And the hairspray stuff that I can't stand. Another thing I can't stand about, about her. But, and she's like, you know, I'm walking behind. And uh, she knows, like, I'm, lo- I'm looking for attention is what I'm looking for. You know, I'm looking for a great job. All right? Or, wow, it's so encouraging. You know, I need something of encouragement. And she calls me the, uh, the peacock. is what she calls me. <laughs> the peacock spreads its wings, you know, and, like, walks in front. Come on, give me attention. Give me attention. Dudes are like that. Don't, dude, come on, dudes, don't. Please don't even go there, all right? You know you're like that. And, you know, women are like that too in some way. But guys, you would think that they're not, but they are. After a Sunday, and I'll come back, and, and um, you know, and I'll like, I won't say it, but I'll go, so how did, uh, how, how was church Sunday? How did it go for you? Like that. And uh, she goes, fine. It was all right. I go, what do you mean all right? I mean, um, I mean, she goes, well, the music was good. I say, well, um, yeah, uh, that's nice. Uh, well, how about, like, you know, the message? What do you get anything out of the message? What I'm looking for is, like, you know, hey, give me some feedback. Give me some encouragement. Give me some comfort. Same thing. You know, husbands, you know, you're called. Uh, God uses his body to, to bring these, these characteristics to, the, to home, to you, to each other. And the, the wife needs that, too. Many of us, you know, my wife's slaves. I, I'm a bad, I'll be honest with you, I, I need a lot of work. I need a lot of help as a, as a, as a husband. I'm just being totally up there. I, I take a lot for granted. My, my own sons, the dad, I mean, come on, dad. You know, why are you so harsh sometimes? But my wife could spend a whole day, um, you know, working in the home, and then she prepares this amazing meal that she's slaved over, and I'll come home. From work, and I'll say, I'm hungry, what do you have to eat? You know, and uh, instead of like, you know, taking the time to say, man, this is really awesome stuff, you know, sometimes I'll just like chow it down and then I'll go, well, what's next? You know, like, and because I'm, like I'm like, I'm never, I'm a doer and I just want to get out there and do, do, do. And uh, sometimes I don't take time to encourage and say, hey, you know, you, that's wonderful what you just did. Or you look beautiful today. You know, a lot of us are in pain isn't it a shame that in our church body, and we never want this to happen, you could walk in here in pain, and we're only a new church, we can only do so much, but isn't it horrible that there would be no one to comfort one another? You come in and out, and no one knows your heart burden and stuff, and marriages go like that, relationships go like that, where the other party doesn't even know the extent of the pain that you're going through, and that's where God says here, you know, you may think that the scripture is just talking about how Jesus gives us all that he does, but he uses, we're the conduit through which he does these things. And, and so in a relationship, we should give each other that, that comfort and that fellowship and uh, spending time uh, with each other, which I'm really bad at. And then the tenderness and compassion. Uh, it seems like, um, amazingly, a lot of times we could have compassion on people outside us, but the closest people to us, we sometimes have a difficult time having that tenderness and compassion. Why is that? I mean, that's a rhetorical question. It's something that we'll examine. But um, Paul goes on to say in verse 2, he says, and this is building up, and he's, he's really um, developing a theme here of how the church, how relationships should occur. And I remind you, he's in prison now. He's just given, he's pouring his heart out. He knows that um, this could very possibly be the last words he's telling to these people. And he He's just pouring his heart. He's laying it down, what's the most important thing. And he says, therefore, if you have any of this, any encouragement from being in Christ, and that word united with Christ actually means, um, and there's huge benefits from being connected to Jesus. But when you're in Jesus, you not only have forgiveness and, and salvation and eternal life and come hell or high water, he's going to be with you thick and thin, and you have that encouragement, but he wants his church to uh, be the conduit through which we get those benefits. But he goes on to say in verse 2, this. in verse You could go to the next verse. He goes, um, he says, okay, um, well, I'll, I'll read it from here if it's not going to. Yeah, he goes, make it complete. Make my joy totally complete um, in here, in him, uh, because here I am, I'm I'm in prison, and I want you guys to just experience this amazing uh, love, and it's all it all flows, everything flows from Jesus, everything flows from him, and um, okay, I'll tap dance in between that getting getting over there, but um, he says, you know, make my joy complete, can anybody read that out for me? Yeah, I got that for you, okay. Make my joy complete, he says, by being like-minded, having the same uh, love, being one in spirit and in purpose. And the first thing I want to say is that we need to be, if you're in a relationship, for any you, church to work, for any kind of relationship, we need to have be on the same vision page. We need to be totally on the same uh, vision page. Because what did Abe Lincoln say, for crying out loud? A house divided <laughs> cannot stand. Oh, there you go. Thank you. And um, because it just can't happen. A church, it says, without vision, the people perish. So many relationships I know, you're in a relationship and you do, you're spinning around in a relationship, and you, there's really no direction in your relationship. There's no, um, there's no purpose in a relationship. That's really, you know what an institution is? And I learned this in my political philosophy class, because that's my field, is that an institution is a group of people who meet regularly on a, on a regular basis. For a, for a common goal, they have what's called they're on the same vision page, and your marriage is an institution. It's the smallest institution you you have of, of two people, and you know in biblically your your relationship should be geared on how can we best experience Christ, bring glory. You know you're created for God's pleasure. Your marriage isn't created for you, as I said, it's created for God's pleasure, but a byproduct of that. As you seek him, this is so paradoxical, it's so crazy, but as you seek God, he will actually pour into you all the things you're looking for. And being on the same vision page, you know, when we got married, you know, we wanted to serve Christ. We wanted to have him glorified. And my wife said, just give me one promise. And I said, what is it? And she says, just just promise me you're not going to go to Africa and be a a missionary in Africa. Because at that point, you know, that's the big thing. Don't go to Africa. And she later gave in to that. And then when I told her, you know, I, want, I feel God calling us to plant a church, she says, ugh. And she said, um, you know, and we didn't have the money for me to go to seminary. And I said, well, if God did it, he'll provide it. And she says, well, he's going to have to provide it because we don't have it and it's not going to happen. And that's how a marriage goes sometimes, you know. And, and God, mirac- somebody miraculously, we don't even know whoever it was, provided us the funds to do that. We never found out who it was uh, out of our old church. And, and, and so it goes on and on. But What happened is there was a little tension there. We weren't on the same vision page. I wanted to leave everything and go, and and she was worried because, you know, it's it's, it's common to worry about money and bills and how we're going to get, you know, the kids fed and so forth, and she was worrying about that, right, honey? You are worried about that, and we weren't on the same vision page, but slowly God worked us together to get on the same vision page. Now, by the way, by having being like-minded and so forth, we're not talking about the Stepford wives here, okay? We're not talking about... um, uh, lack of diversity here. God celebrates diversity. We're all different. Thank God we're different. Thank God men and women are different, right? Isn't that wonderful how oh, God made a man? Isn't that just wonderful? Guys, how God made a woman. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. All right. Everybody can say amen here. All right? You worry me otherwise. Being like-minded in spirit is not a being like clone-like and everything, yes, I will follow everything. We'll all be on the same page. For No. It means being having the same mindset, the same attitude. Not that you you may even think differently. You may, and thank God, you may have a different point of view. And thank God, my wife has a different point of view from time to time, because usually her point of view is the correct one. And I'm just being honest, and mine's not. And but thank God for that. You know, we need that. We need to have someone to help us to have checks and balances. You don't want someone in a relationship that is always going to say, yes, sir, yes, no, yes, oh, whatever you want, dude, whatever you want, yeah, you're my, no, you want to have people, you want to have that give and take. So like-mindedness actually in the the original means more like uh, the attitude of heart, that we're all, we have a common goal, we may disagree on certain things, but we're going to get there. And if you go into a relationship already planning for failure, guess what? Guess what you're going to get? failure. I, there's, there's unions in marriage, uh, and we're talking about marriage at this point right now, but uh, where they say, instead, instead of saying "till death do us part, they say until love fades. I mean, when you do something like that, you're setting yourself up for failure. You're saying, oh, that's our vision. Our vision, our mission is like to stay together as long as love doesn't fade. You get the difference? Or, or, or until death does us part, and hopefully, you know, won't be your cooking or anything like that. You know, but that's the point. The first point is that to remain, and so pray together. My suggestion is, if you're, whatever relationship you're in right now, sit down together. And first off, let's back up one second. It says united in Christ. Um, if you're dating someone right now and they're not a believer, and not, nothing against, nothing against uh, any person or any uh, belief or anything like that, but it's just a, a matter of, of. Relevancy—it's just a matter of what really is practical and works. Um, there's going to be that tension. There's going to be that rubbing the wrong way. And we're not talking about people who are already in married, and you're in that relationship. God says, stay with those people, encourage them, be that example of light that I want you to be, in order to win them. And when they see that God is so true, that the love of Jesus is so real, and and you know, they may uh, even test you. And, and I know relationships where the, the husband or the wife, they actually like poke at the other person for being a, a Christian and how do you follow this junk and so forth? But they just return that with love. And you know what it says? Like when you're, not that they're enemies, but when you keep feeding love to someone and they keep coming back with resistance, eventually that love's gonna win out because love is the greatest thing in the whole world and the power of God is greater than any, uh, you know, wherever you I wanna encourage you right now in your relationship. You may think it's hopeless, but the power of God can break through. He loves, he loves you, he loves your wife, he loves your husband. But if you're not united in Christ, if you're in a relationship now and you're single, you know, are you nuts? Because marriage is, we need divine intervention. I mean, every marriage needs divine intervention. I mean, it's crazy. It's hard enough being married, it's 50% divorce rate. And that's the same even among Christians. And because we've swallowed the world's view of marriage. And um, it's ama- you know what amazes me is how many people, they spend so much time, there's all these amazing, I'm not picking on my daughter, but there's like all these programs out there on the uh, TLC channel. Is that the right, the TLC channel? She's going, uh-huh. There's like uh, you know, say yes to the dress, uh, all these other programs where, oh, well, I don't know, I wa- I got addicted to it myself because she has it on, and I'm not even watching TV. I'm, I'm reading the Bible. Yeah. And, but she's, she's watching all this stuff, and it amazes me, they spend so much time and effort before the wedding, oh, we've got to do this, we've got to get the flowers, oh, look the flowers, and some dude comes on and goes, yes, purple flowers look so wonderful, and it's like, you know, and I love purple flowers, but they put so much time into it. They put an amazing amount of time into it, and do you know... Guys, hold your hearts. The average wedding costs $25,000, you know. Dudes, Anthony, thank God you don't have any uh, girls. You have guys. But I'm saying $25,000 per wedding, but they pour all into it. And, you know, uh, very few people do anything after to preclude that, that, that rate of the 50%. And I see it in family court all the time. When I was working there, uh, that they didn't do anything. They didn't plan on that. They just kind of like winged it. You can't wing it in a relationship. You have to be. In, you have to have a plan. A vision goes. With, a plan and a vision go together. You have to have a plan for your marriage. And if you plan to build your life on the foundation of Christ, and to actually, you could go to that the the, the second one, um, the next one, uh, build your relationship on Christ, then you will have that firm foundation, and you will have. Um, that up. And so that's just a point I want to take to you is that stay on the same vision page, but make sure you know your vision, make sure you have a plan for that. And $25,000. What if I told you that you had a 50% chance of being killed when you left this room in a car accident? Wouldn't you like plan to like do something to avoid that? Do you know how devastating divorce is? You know, a lot of us do. We've been there. And the good news is that just because it's devastating doesn't mean your hope is gone. It means that you can rebuild. You could start all over again. God has an amazing plan. But it just makes sense. Point number one. Point number two is this. And you see this in the second verses. Paul says in Philippians 2, 3, and 4, says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. I just want to call that narcissism. A lot of relationships, and I, you know, I don't know, maybe I have a a little bit of that, or I think we all have a little bit of it because it's a sin nature. It's really like, it's all about me. It's all about what can I get out of it? You know, like anyone ever saw uh, Charlotte's Web? There was this rat called Templeton, and he said, what's in it for me? You know, we want to know what's in it for me in a relationship instead of how can I bring out Christ in you? How can I get closer to God? How can this union work, this relationship work? It's all about, uh, you've been in those situations, and I've seen it up front where people just totally leave people, their families, to pursue their own selfish ends. And what happens is they end up not only destroying their families, they end up destroying their their children. And it's such a horrible thing to sit through that, like I had in family court, to see little ones, hurt in the process because of some dude's selfishness. And, um, but God can forgive that as well. God can work through that as well. That's the hope in Christ, right? So he says, rather in humility, value others above yourself. So it's the idea of keeping it us-centered rather than self-centered. Or as my friend said last night, uh, keep it we-centered and then me-centered. And a lot of us, it's, it's all about us. And it goes back to the idea of why people fight because it's, it's all about us. It's not about we. How can we make this happen? How can we do this? How can I, what, what, what can I do to, to bring out the best in someone else? How can we together work on this problem together rather than attacking each other, keeping it uh, self Now, this is like, this is just the beginning of our series, so it sounds very general, but we're going to get into it as we go on. And look at Paul. He says, no, instead, and this, really, this really hit me, to actually value others more than yourself. So when you're in a relationship, uh, single guys or girls, I mean, uh, the teens, you're in a relationship, and, and a dude, he only wants one thing from you, and you know what that one thing is, and you're saying, and, and, and you think that he loves you. Well, he doesn't love you. If he's going for that one thing, and he doesn't, you know, he's using you. That's what he's He's abusing you. He's using you. He's taking your purity. He's destroying you. And he was bringing himself down on it. And that's just not the way, no, that's not the way of Jesus. That's not the way of love. The way of love is to give, to, to actually give to the point where you're actually, not that you're totally, if you, if you read the context, not that you're totally not looking out, uh, you, you know, you're taking care of yourself in some way. But your first point is that I want to I pour my life into this person. I want to pour my heart into, into this person, and first you're pouring your heart into Jesus, because that's the source, right? Like a light, he's the source. But then you're pouring your heart, and it's flowing down to that person. Something amazing happens when you do that. When you pour your heart into so you might get hurt. Yeah, a lot of us have been hurt in this room. I know, I, I, I hear it all the time. You, but you might be vulnerable, but that's okay. When you're vulnerable, you can experience love at deeper levels than you ever experienced. But something amazing happens in his soul when it truly loves from the heart in a way that they're caring about someone else more than they are themselves. And that's what Paul is saying here. Uh, And he says, not to look to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And then he says, in your relationships, and there you go, relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So this is all uh, built against, um, so the three things Common vision, staying in the same vision page, keeping it us-centered rather than self-centered, valuing the other person more than, than anyone else. And I want to bring it right back to Jesus because this is a beautiful, in the next few verses, uh, and I don't have it up there, but it's called, uh, in verse 7, it says this about Jesus. And I want you guys, uh, covenant with me. Would you please read Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 7? If you're married... Could you read that every day together and pray over that? If you're not married and you're seeking, could you read that and pray over that about your future mate? Pray about that in your own heart when you're... Because you know what? God gives you things when you're ready for them. You know, until you're ready. Thank God for that, right? Thank God there's a give you something. Oh, if I only had this, Lord, I'd be so happy. But he knows what you... Trust your heavenly Father. He knows what you need. He knows everything about you. He loves you so much that he... It says that he gave his own son. And this is an amazing thing. And and this little, uh, between verses 5 and and 11, actually, um, there's been hundreds of theological books written about this. This mystery of, uh, and they're saying, Paul's saying, I want you to have this in your relationships, which includes marriage, which includes even dating, which includes all. I want you to have this exact same attitude that Jesus had. And in those verses... Um, I'm going to read that, and uh, in those verses you could turn to chapter two in Philippians. Let's get used to opening our Bibles in this place, all right? Let's get used to opening God's Word, and that's why I'm excited about this new Foundations uh, uh, course coming in, uh, whatever we want to call it. It's an amazing thing that we're going to talk more about. But he says this: Each of you should not look to own your, you know, each just. To your own interest, but to the interest of others, and he says your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. That is, he didn't. He was God Himself, but he didn't like you know he didn't take it in a way like maybe you would think that a person who's God would take it, but he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. And then God, we know what happened. God exalted him after that. That word made himself nothing. There's like one Greek word, and it really means total. It means he emptied himself. And there's a lot of theological uh, terms. The kenosis, this is part of it. Many people think that this was a hymn that the early church sang in the church. And Paul's just repeating it here. And the idea, though, is this. That Jesus, who is God, he had everything. Think about what Jesus did for us. He had He was in the glory of the Father with him in heaven. And he voluntarily came to earth to die for our sins, to die, to become a man, to humble himself. And then he emptied himself, that word in the Greek. He he made himself nothing for you, and for you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and and me. He actually poured out his whole self for, for you. That's the example that he wants us to have in our relationships. That's a heavy example. That's a totally heavy example that we, he wants us to do that. And so it all comes back to Jesus. It all comes back to him. And I want to encourage you today as we close. I'm going to call the band up. As we close is that these three general points, pray through, read through these first 11 verses of chapter 2 and see where can I do better? Where, can, where have I, I failed? Where can I encourage my partner? Where can I bring comfort? Where can I empty myself? Am I not emptying myself? Am I not surrendering myself to that person? And then it, it goes back to Jesus, number one. He's the foundation. Remember, if you're united in Christ, he's all that matters. When you come to him, so, you know, if you haven't experienced this love that Jesus offers, that's the starting point. Of any positive relationship. We may be existing, but we're not living. Before you know Christ, you're existing, but not living. You're not really experiencing all that God has. And life is tough. You're going to have tough times, but why not take that love that he offered? Why not take that sacrifice? It says that, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, he says, whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And this Jesus, God, emptied himself on that cross. I hope that never gets old to you people. Gosh, I hope, I know some of you are saying, if it, was, if it were only true, and I'm going to tell you, it is true. I hope it never gets old that God himself came down for all your junk forgives any sin you ever committed. You may have been in a relationship. I really screwed up that relationship, God. I'm not worthy. God will make you worthy. He'll forgive you. He'll wash you. He'll make you new. You can experience that flood of healing in your life right now by simply surrendering your past to him, your sin. God, I confess. I I, I screwed up. So don't worry, son. Don't worry, daughter. I emptied myself for you on that cross. I shed my blood for you. I love you. That's what the relationship is all about. It's bow in prayer. Father God, I thank you so much that you love us, even though we're like imperfect and we're mess ups, screw ups. <laughs> But I thank you that you gave your son for us. And I pray for our relationships today, that you would just bring healing to them. You would, bring, you would bring the love that you want us to experience. And I pray for that person today, maybe who is hearing the gospel of this Jesus coming for the first time. Uh, and They don't understand everything, but they're seeking your forgiveness. And if there's anyone in the room that is seeking God's forgiveness for a messed up previous relationship, and they're not a believer, and they're not even sure that Jesus is real, but they want to know God in their heart. They want to know Jesus. They want to know forgiveness. As everyone's head is bowed, I want you to raise your hand so I can pray for you. Don't be embarrassed. Or, come on, we're beyond that. Is there anyone who's just, God, I want to know you. I want to know your forgiveness. It's three steps. It says, really? Accept that Jesus died for you on the cross, that he's God, he's who he says he is. Believe that he has forgiven you, that he's given you a new life, and then see? To confess that. He, he hung for you. And the least you can do is confess to him. Hey, you're Lord and Savior, and I love you. If there's anyone, God yes, is speaking to me. I want to know him in a better way. And if there's anyone else that we're a Christian and, and, and we know we messed up in a relationship, so I want you to know there's healing. I want you to raise your hand if you feel like you need need a new touch from God in your relationship. Raise our hands, anybody. I'm I'm raising my hand because I need a new touch. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We're all in this together. We all need help. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, in your precious name.